0: What is up, everybody? For NYUP and Syracuse.com, I am Matt Prino, and I'm joined today by Western New York basketball legend Joe Licata. Just kidding. He's, he's a bit of a football legend, too. Uh, no, my man, uh, we go way back. Uh, Williamsville South, Billy's back in the day, Play with my cousin. Uh, before uh, your football career really uh, exploded in Western New York at, on the, at UB, and then even a, uh, a cup of coffee with the Bills for a little bit. Uh, tell everybody what you, what you've been up to.
1: Uh, yeah, as soon as my pro career kind of ended, I started up a little uh, camp with six kids in a gym where I was just teaching them football, quarterbacking stuff. That kind of blew up and it grew to like over 150 kids. And then I got a phone call to, to take over the football program and athletic department over at uh, Bishop Timon. So I've been doing that the last couple of years. I love it. I love working with kids, love teaching the game. Um, so it's been, it's been a fun the last couple of years as soon as my career ended.
0: Mm-hmm. Um He's done. Uh, if you haven't caught it uh, last season, he did a lot of uh, Josh Allen uh, breakdown uh, with uh, Matthew Fairburn over at the Athletic. Go check out all that content because it's really, really good, really educational. And that's kind of what I wanted to bring him on here today to talk about because you know this is a, a Bills team that you know is going to turn over quite a bit uh, from last year to, to this year. And and I say turnover, it's not going to be a lot of new starters per se, but that one new starter is going to make this offense potentially much different. So I want to start off with Stefan Diggs and what your initial impressions were when they made the deal and what kind of things he can add to this offense.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you look at it as – it's tough to look at it on its own that specific day um, because the Hopkins deal had just happened a couple hours before. And -hmm. if that Hopkins deal doesn't happen where they essentially just stole the best receiver in football for nothing (laughs) – if that doesn't happen a couple hours before everyone's super excited about the Diggs deal. And it sounds great. Uh, looks great on paper, but <clears throat> if you separate the two and don't look at the Hopkins deal, the Diggs deal, yes, they did give up a lot to get them. But at the same time, I, I tweeted this, you're getting a playmaker and, and there's only so many of those guys in the league. And he adds a dimension to your offense. Um, he, that's, that's, you, you can't replicate. He, he is arguably the best route runner in football right now. Um, so he he's a special type of player, and I, I think that he'll help with the development of Josh Allen, and he'll really kind of expand this offense um, into into some some great things potentially.
0: You look at what they did a lot last year, and when when Brian Dable took you know an offense with nine new starters at the beginning of last year, uh, and over the course of the season they kind of landed on eleven personnel pretty yep. regularly. And so you go and you look at what Stefan Diggs did in Minnesota and they ran some 11 personnel, but they, they also ran a lot of 12 personnel. So I wanted to ask you, where do you think, can they continue? Can the bills continue with the success they had in 11 personnel with Stefan Diggs kind of added to the equation? And do you see another tight end on the, on the roster where they can maybe replicate some of that 12 personnel?
1: Well, uh, for, for the listeners, if they don't know what 11 personnel is, 11 personnel means that there's one running back and one tight end on the field, meaning that there's uh, three receivers out there. Uh, a, a lot of teams do that to throw the ball, but the Bills have been able to spread people out to run the football. And I, that's their MO. They're, just because they got digs does not mean they're going to throw the ball 35, 40 times a game. They're still a dominant running football team um, with some great guys up front and obviously Singletary turning into a pretty nice little player. Um, so, in minnesota they were they were able to go 12 personnel and kind of run the football and do a lot of play action things and get digs on crossing routes and um the bills are going to be able to replicate that kind of stuff because they're going to be so run heavy um and and that's going to leave digs either one-on-one or it's going to leave john brown one-on-one there's going to be one-on-one matchups because you're going to have to account for the running game so um his targets may be down a little bit from where they were last year, just off the fact that they're not going to throw the ball as much as Minnesota did,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and that's something that he's going to have to be okay with, but when he does get an opportunity to go make plays, he's probably going to be singled up.
0: If you go back to the Houston game and you look at the, um, the, distribu- the distribution uh, of targets in that game, Duke Williams was implemented into the offense in the week week 17 after being on the bench for weeks. And then in Houston, he, he was really featured 10 targets, the most of any wide receiver in the wild card round. Do you think that if you take that game and take a look at it and what they tried to do, is that a role that Stefan Diggs can fill in terms of that kind of production and that kind of heavy workload at times?
1: I mean, absolutely. And it's, it's almost an insult to, to digs to even compare him to that role because he so he I mean he, he's an incredible he's a top 10 top 15 receiver in the league um, so yes he can handle that role he will handle that role I, I I just hope that you hear all these stories about him in the locker room and him being a distraction and him needing targets I hope that there's a leader in this Bill's uh, locker room you know losing Lorenzo Alexander is kind of tough but I hope I hope that there's a leader in that locker room that can keep him in his place and say hey listen you buy into what's going on here Uh, they could really be a playoff
0: team that makes a pretty good push. Yeah, it's interesting that you mention that because you look at the offensive side of the ball and who are the leaders. And I think first and foremost, you look at in the receivers room, John Brown, who's been in this league now, you know, almost a decade and he's played with some really elite players. I mean, you mentioned uh, uh, Larry Fitzgerald for one. I mean, that's kind of where he cut his teeth playing alongside Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona. He's a guy that's not super loud. Uh, he's not in there like rah-rah, like holding people accountable, but he kind of leads by example. Uh, and then you have a guy like Cole Beasley, who's a little bit different. He'll be a little bit more vocal in the room. Uh, but in terms of the leadership on this offensive side of the ball, it's going to come from Josh Allen. And I think that he sets the tone with his competitive nature and guys kind of fall in, in line with that. They want to make plays for him because they see the kind of plays he's willing to make for his team, the way he puts his body on the line, so on and so forth. So I think that, I mean, I think that they're confident enough at this stage of Josh Allen's development to rely on him to provide the leadership on offense.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, Josh Allen's a competitor. Um, He's still young. He's only, what, 23 years old, 24 years old. Um, But guys look at him and they see how competitive he is and they buy in because of how competitive he is. Um, I've heard a lot of funny stories about how he jokes with the guys and, um, he says some childish things, but the guys love him for it. And and he's real and, and and people like that about him. Um, but one thing that, that I, I kind of mentioned on the locker room, you hear a lot of these football guys talking about the room, the room, the room, he's good for the room. What, what does that mean? Um, Matt Barkley and, and Davis Webb, those two guys are so important to Josh Allen's development. Um, both those guys alone can get on a whiteboard and explain everything. They, they know they know 12 different offenses. They can explain what defenses are going to do. Um, so the backup and the third stringer for, for a young star quarterback is so important. And I think that the Bills have hit a home run with both those guys in the room because um, the, both those guys' egos are in check, and they're super smart guys, and they're going to show them how to lead, show them how to, how to run an offense. And uh, I think that's super important to his development.
0: Mm-hmm one of the size if you will from you know from the fans and maybe even a portion of the media after the Diggs deal came from the from people that kind of went into the off season with the mindset that Josh Allen needed a big old school target you know a uh, a des bryant type of guy a 65 64 guy that's going to go up maybe not the a burner but really uh, aggressive to the catch point. But the more I look into this, the more, you know, tape I watch, the more um, articles and and, and things that I read. Stephon Diggs is kind of a unicorn in the way that he's got that high-end speed. He's a threat at each level of defense, but he's also really good at contesting catches, which I think that that's an area uh, uh, as a receiver that could really help Josh Allen.
1: Yeah. When I had first done that breakdown for the athletic, um, Josh Allen's rookie year, when he was really successful is when they would do play action, when they, when they would run a deep play action with a, with a deep post over top and a deep crossing route, something high-low uh, down the field. And you look at who they've assembled in, in their receiver rooms, you, you have Diggs, who's probably going to be taking the top off of the defense, mm-hmm. and, and then you have John Brown running a cross route, and then and then you have Cole Beasley, who could run all the stuff underneath. So, um, yeah, they don't have the 6'4 guy. Uh, they have guys who – look very similar to each other um, height-wise in that room. Um, but if you look at what Josh Allen's skill set is, it that, that plays perfectly to his skill set. Um, he struggles throwing the deep ball as of right now, but I think he'll get better at that uh, as time goes on and as he gets a little bit more work with these guys. But if you look at what those guys are capable of and, and what their strengths are, it matches with what Josh Allen's strengths are.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the things that I don't remember a lot from last season, it may have happened, and you know it's just not really um, ringing as we look at what this offense could be now. But was were those short passes, completions that were then turned into yards after the catch? And as good as John Brown was in the short to intermediate area of the field, I feel like that you know that yards after the catch wasn't really there because he's not a physical receiver. Whereas Diggs, he brings that quickness, that suddenness, that speed, but he's also able to take a hit he, he kind of looks for some physicality and makes plays after he makes the reception
1: right I mean relating it to basketball uh when a guy is not shooting the ball well you get into the free throw line he hits he sees his first one go in sees the ball go in the basket and then boom he's ready to go it's kind of the same for quarterbacks if he's struggling throwing the deep ball let's let's throw a hitch route let's get something quick just to get his confidence up just to get those guys going if, if you have a guy who could turn a six yard hitch route into a 15 yard game. I mean, that's huge for a quarterback's confidence, especially um, when he's so young in, in Allen. Um, so I, I think that you bring up a great point. These guys who can get yards after the catch, uh, who can be physical, who can run these short intermediate route, routes and turn them into something um, big is going to be big for his development.
0: Mm-hmm. So overarching question here. Let's change to, to Josh Allen specifically for a moment. And we're going from year two to year three. You look around the division and what's happening. And, and it's an important division because there's a lot of young, uh, you know, quarterbacks potentially in it. I mean, you're talking about Miami, maybe drafting a quarterback, maybe the Patriots uh, drafting a quarterback now, maybe not this year, maybe next year. And obviously Sam Darnold in New York. How comfortable are you if you're, you know, Brian Dable, Sean McDermott, it, having Josh Allen, what the develop you've met, you've seen already, and the potential now with this new offense centered around Stefan Diggs in year three?
1: Well, I'm I'm very confident, especially you look at the landscape of the league. I mean, the Bills defense should be pretty decent next year too. Uh, So you're not, you probably shouldn't need him to score 40 points a game. Um, Now with that being said, you talk about his development. um, I think he struggled last year at the beginning of the year. Um, And I think that was, on Dable I think Dable put a lot on his plate you saw Allen having to check a bunch of things Mm -hmm. he had a bunch of cross field reads uh that was that was really intense you know mindset is really intense and then as he went on throughout the season he started having more success like after week seven eight nine um and I think it's because Dable simplified everything and, and had high low reads and had uh plays where he just could read off of one certain thing And so I think that this sport, more than any other sport, it matters who your coach is, who's calling the plays, and who your quarterback is. So if those two guys are synced up and they're doing what they were doing towards the end of last season, at the beginning of the season, just build off on it, um, you know, I'm really confident what his abilities are, especially in this AFC East without uh, that giant over there at Foxborough.
0: Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, uh, obviously you're, you're a fan of, uh, the greatness of Tom Brady, um, at least like recognizing the game of it. I mean, to watch that guy for 20 years has been right. really unbelievable. And with him now out of the division, I mean, what do you make of the whole situation? Not only what it means for the AFC East, but now what it will mean for Tom Brady in Tampa Bay.
1: I'm super excited for the Monday night football game of them versus the saints. Cause you know, that's going to be the first one, Right, um, but no, I, I it's exciting for, for him uh, to try to go for something. I, I think that the whole Belichick Brady, who deserves more credit, I, I think that that's a real storyline. And those guys really do think that stuff, that they deserve it. That they're both super proud guys. I wish that this had happened five years ago, so he would have been 37, 38 mm-hmm. years old, as opposed to now he's turning 43. I mean, he he's old in a football sense.
0: Right. Um, and there's a lot – there's a lot – Um, uh, that he's up against going into this situation. Learning a whole new offense, new players, and a a truncated – what we're expecting is a truncated uh, preparation time with the coronavirus outbreak. So, I mean, he's – there were times last year where I still don't think that he's, you know, fallen off any hill or cliff or anything like that. But he's definitely – this is going to be a a very trying period for him.
1: Absolutely. I mean, but at, at that same time, you can never bet against him. I mean, he's the greatest to ever do it. Um, if there's anybody that can do it it's him even at his age but it is it is concerning there I I just I just don't think it's fair if they go nine and seven this year eight and eight and miss the playoffs or whatever it is that people automatically are going to discount his 20-year career personally I don't think that this end of his career makes or breaks anything that he's accomplished Mm -hmm. Um, now if he goes on and wins a Super Bowl there yeah obviously that that you know Puts him even higher than, than he already is, mm-hmm. uh, but i don 't think that it should be used against
0: him I agree, I agree, and I think that you know if if things fall off completely for new England i don 't think Belichick you know the horde should be running at him either. This is an interesting thing i mean they've literally I was listening to a podcast the other day and I mean, talking about how great their defense was last year well they're losing Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins off that defense yeah. it's going to look a little different it's going to
1: absolutely and one other thing I wanted to bring up about that whole uh him leaving the AFC East and Mm -hmm. bills fans in general are just so obsessed with the Patriots. It's, it's, it's kind of weird. Um, but they're obsessed with hating them. Right. And I I've always like kind of found it funny how, how much they hate on Brady and how much, if I'm a, a true bills fan, that's a perfect excuse. You've had the greatest quarterback in the history of the game, arguably the greatest coach in the history of the game as your, as your conference, uh, Rival, not even a rival because they haven't beat them, but they're in your conference, that's the perfect excuse for having mediocre teams the last 20 years.
0: Right. No. So
1: if, if I'm a Bills fan, that's kind of what I'm saying. It's like, ah, all right, you know what? We've had an excuse for being kind of <laughs> the last 20 years. So uh, in that excuse, war number 12. So we're, we're okay.
0: Right. We, we were – I was talking about this last week on a radio show, and it's like, is it kind of like a, a bummer that you don't get to unseat Tom Brady and as much as I understand that mindset, I think you almost have to move forward and just embrace the new world order, if you will. Because right now, the Bills are the team in the AFC East. Depending on what happens over the course of the next few months in the offseason, they, they should be the favorites to win this division.
1: You would think so. Um, you, you, I, I think that they should be probably the favorites going in. Um, I know there's a lot of talk about the Jets potentially making a little bit of a run, but I, you look at the Bills roster, I, I think it makes the most sense, especially with a team that's had a little bit of success uh, this last year. Um, I, think, I think the Bills are the team to beat in the AFC East. Well, I shouldn't say that. The, the Patriots are still the team to beat in the AFC East. But if I, had to make a, if I was a betting man and had to put money down on um, who I would pick to win it, I would pick the Bills.
0: Right. And I also want to see what they do a quarterback before I make that assertion. Right. Because, you know, there's a few interesting options out there. I still am not going to discount the idea of, of Belichick getting crazy and trying to remake Jameis Winston. I, I think that's a fun little uh, project, and it, it could be interesting because he's so – I think I was,
1: it's more likely if he's going to go a route away from the Brady mold, it's Cam Newton, I think.
0: Right, right, right. right. Um,
1: I don't think it's a guy like Jameis who's going to turn the ball over. Like that, I I think if he's going to go with somebody that's away from the mold of Brady, it's going to be a Newton. I mean, they just waived him. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they had conversations with him. I I think the Andy Dalton thing is very interesting Mm -hmm. uh, because Andy Dalton's a better version of Hoyer. Right, Uh, he's not going to turn the ball over. He's he's capable of making plays. Um, Super smart guy. Uh, If I'm if I'm the the Patriots, I'm going after Dalton.
0: There it is. Nice. All right. Let's switch gears to the defensive side of the ball. And we were talking uh, before we started and you have kind of an interesting take on the secondary, which and I want to start there because I think that that's the strength of this Bill's defense, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and really this team overall, you're talking about all pro Tredavious white, probably arguably the top or maybe top three safety duo and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poirier who just got his big extension. So he's going to be pretty excited. And then that number two cornerback job it's expected to be a battle between Levi Wallace and Josh Norman, but you brought up an interesting point, and you maybe see Josh Norman as maybe an answer at slot corner.
1: Yeah, uh, I you're right. The, the secondary for the Bills is, is incredible. I, I think that their biggest offseason move was was re-signing Foyer and, mm-hmm. and securing that secondary of those two, the, those that safety duo of Foyer and Hyde. Uh, like you said, I think it's one of the best in the league. Um, but you know, signing Josh Norman, a guy that uh, Coach McDermott is. Uh, obviously has had some success with in the past in Carolina. In my opinion, Josh Norman is towards the end of his career. Um, that's the hardest position in sports physically to play, I think, cornerback in the NFL. I mean, you have to. You only have a short window of four or five years at the top of your game. I mean, you even look at a guy like Richard Sherman, who, who was at the top of his game for a very long time. He's even fallen off a little bit. Um, I, I think that Norman is more of a nickel corner at this point, uh, meaning he would probably play the slot. And, and for those who don't know what nickel is, nickel defense is not a, is not a defensive scheme. It's a personnel grouping. Um, usually when teams play cover three or cover four or cover two, whatever the coverage is, uh, there's four um, defensive backs on the field, like two corners, two safeties. Um, when they go into a nickel, it means that there's five defensive backs on the field. So you'd bring in another corner, another safety to play against a slot receiver. And then a dime uh, package would be when there's six defensive backs on the field, uh, not when there's 10. But, uh, so I, I personally think that Josh Norman's probably that that nickel corner um, who they'd bring in, especially in today's game when everybody throws the ball 30, 30 plus times a game. Um, so I think he's that perfect guy for that nickel corner.
0: And what about his role or about his playing style makes sense there because you look at you know even in Buffalo last couple years Taron Johnson has been a real physical player at that position and it's led to a lot of injuries do you see that kind of physicality out of Josh Norman and and just for comparison's sake you look at Chris Harris who the Bills were rumored to be interested in at the start of um free agency he's a slot corner and he went for about 11 million dollars Norman's going to get about six million dollars next year, so that could be quite the value if he fits a role there in in the slot.
1: Yeah, I, I mean that that's a tough position to to play. I mean, you you have more space than you do if you're just playing on the outside. But yeah. th- th- those guys have a two way go. They you know they have a lot more space to work with. So that's when the physicality comes up. Um, you have to be physical at the line, and and Norman Norman's a pretty physical player. Um, so I, I like I said, I think he just fits that mold perfectly, especially towards the end of his career. Um, and I say that. How, how old is Josh Norman? He's not very old, but yeah.
0: uh, that's a good question. I don't even think he's thirty yet.
1: You, you know that? I mean, that uh, he's thirty-two. So he, yeah, okay, I mean, he is. Right. In football sense, he's old. Wow, he is. Um, he's
0: older than I even thought.
1: <laughs> right. So, but but you know, he's six feet tall. I mean, he and, and he's physical. So I, I think he fits that perfectly, especially in um, in the league today when everybody goes four wide at some point. Some teams go five wide at some point. You have to be able to put five or six defensive backs in a game and lock somebody up and play man. Um, So I think he gives, he he gives that perfect option.
0: Moving up to the defensive line, that's where the bills were the most active in free agency. And they added Quentin Jefferson, Mario Addison and Vernon Butler uh, two D tackles. uh, Potentially Quentin Jefferson can kind of slide outside and do some rushing as an edge and then, or an end, I should say. And then, um, Addison, he brings some serious, serious sack production over the last four years. You know, it would be my contention that their defensive line is better positioned in 2020 to rush the passer than they were in 2019, and for a few reasons. Number one, I think Ed Oliver is going to take one of the biggest jumps from year one to year two because of his understanding of how to play at this level. I think that's something he was shocked at when he came into the league, was dealing with the bigger bodies, and I don't think he was expecting as much. Jefferson was a top 10 player last year in pass rush win rate, and and people rave about him in Seattle. And Vernon Butler is a, a former first-round pick who um, you know, the, the Bills are going to be able to sink their teeth into and develop a little bit. And Addison, you just know you're going to get anywhere from 9 to 12 sacks from him in a year. This could be a, a defensive line that raises itself to maybe top 10 this year.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, they got a little bit younger on the defensive line, obviously, and they got a little bit more explosive. And, and their sack, their sack production. The, the key to defensive football is being able to get pressure with four guys. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's the key. That's how you win in the NFL. Because if you give a quarterback four or five seconds to throw the ball, you can't do it. And if you blitz all the time, they're going to beat you. So if you're able to rush four guys, get consistent pressure on a quarterback, you're going to win defensively. Um, I think that bringing in guys that that mcdermott's comfortable with that he's coached in carolina or that he knows people that have coached uh certain guys i i I think all these moves have made a ton of sense and especially when you got to have a guy a young guy like ed oliver who can learn from some of these older guys who have done it before Mm -hmm. um you're right this defensive line could really take off this year
0: and before i let you get out of here and thank you so much for your time today it's uh it's cool that you know break up the monotony of the of those last two weeks and it's probably going to get you know even worse as we move along this this process but back to the offensive side because I want to look at what there what needs still remain for the bills and first and foremost I go back to something that Sean said in Indianapolis that really struck me and he said because everybody was talking about the receivers and who are they going to draft and and he said Getting playmakers is great, but you still got to protect the quarterback. Otherwise, what good is having a bunch of playmakers? And so how far along is this offensive line? It seems like they're pretty confident in things. They brought back Quentin Spain. They haven't made another move on the offensive line. Do you anticipate that they make another move, and do they need to improve this offensive line before next year?
1: That, I mean, that's one position that you can always improve. Um, that, cor- quarterback, left tackle. And a guy to rush the passer. Those are the three most important positions in football. Um, so if you keep updating your offensive line, I mean you're in good shape. But they're they're going to make another move. They're they're probably going to draft somebody. I would assume uh, relatively high up, probably second third round, just a half. Um, I know we talked a little bit um, about running backs too. Um, I think that that's another need to back up Singletary. Um, I think that Jordan Howard going to Miami is is a is a tough loss for the Bills. I, that was one guy that I thought that they should have tried to make a push for, and they might have. Um, but it, it looks like Frank Gore is not coming back. Um, but I still think they need to go the veteran route. Having Singletary on his rookie deal, he's not costing them a ton of money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, a guy like Carlos Hyde, Lamar Miller. But they don't need a big money guy at that position. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who they, who they go for. Who do you, who do you think they're going to go for in the running back market?
0: Yeah, so you just mentioned two two of the top names out there. There's and then there's there's those kind of scat backs. Uh, Deion Lewis just signed with the Giants, so he's out. But Chris Thompson from Washington is a guy that I have kind of kept my eye on as well. Um, but I, I don't know. I think that you it, it's that it's that argument though. Like do they need do they want a more physical presence? I mean, there's a couple of those guys that you could probably get on day three of the draft, or do you want a speed guy that that you can be a, a factor in the passing game? Well, if you want that guy. You already have it on your roster in TJ Yeldon, I believe. Right. Uh, He was really good – well, historically speaking, he's really good in pass protection. I think he struggled a little bit last year in that department. And he made a couple big plays in the passing game. So they believe in him. I mean, at least that's what Sean McDermott was selling uh, recently uh, as we went into the the whole start of the draft process. Um, I I think that Devin Singletary is going to be the featured guy. But like you mentioned, you need two backs. And also – because of his frame, we saw it last year, making it through a 16-game schedule is going to be tough without getting dinged up. And so I think you're right. They definitely have to add there. And a veteran, they, they like getting veterans in the room as well.
1: I think that's a good move, too, getting a veteran, getting a guy who has done it before but doesn't need to get 20 carries a game anymore. Like that That Frank Gore was was a perfect get last year. They need to find somebody along those lines who can uh, be there for him on third downs if they need him. And I'm also a fan of not of not – Uh, getting the exact same player that you already have as your starter. If you have a speedster as your starter, go get a bruiser as your third down back Mm -hmm. or vice versa. I mean, I I just think that having uh, two different guys, three different guys in that position is is very important.
0: And I think Miller too is intriguing because of the high end um, production that he had before the injury. The Bills have really made their name these last couple of years on the the facilities that they built and able to kind of uh, get guys right physically and send them back out in the world you look at kevin johnson who just signed a nice little deal with the cleveland browns uh he couldn't stay healthy and he came last year played 16 games and started in the playoffs so i think you're right on there um yeah man this was fun uh what else are you up to you just hanging out get sending sending kids gym lessons and
1: uh yeah yeah i've been sending out some stuff uh i've been making a little bit of a social media push on my uh company stuff uh sending out Uh, defensive schemes. I've been breaking down plays. I've just been trying to have some fun with uh, educating people on the game of football, just taking it from the ground up and just really explaining things uh, so that the normal, the typical football fan who might not have had 15 years of football experience, I want to teach them a little something. I I set up a little whiteboard. I film it and uh, hopefully people could check it out and let me know what else they want to learn about and I can explain it.
0: Definitely. And if you want to go find any of that, where can they find you?
1: Uh, on Twitter is just, uh, at Joe Licata football, same thing with Instagram and Facebook.
0: Yeah. And if you're in the Western New York area, I definitely recommend checking out the Academy once things get back to normal, uh, Mm -hmm. get your kid, uh, studied up, ready to go, uh, as they move through the years, my man, thank you so much for, for taking the time. I appreciate you.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.